0: Tales of triumph and tragedy, inspirational stories filled with perseverance and passion. This is From the Sidelines with Scott Stewart.
1: Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Scott Stewart with IdahoSports.com, and this is our first of many broadcasts of interviews with unique Idaho athletes and their families. Today, we have Aratakunda Emery, an all-star athlete from Twin Falls, Idaho. We're really excited to have him here today. Um, we'll also be uh, joining him is his parents, as you can see there. And we also are going to have uh, a couple of uh, guests uh, in um, in Emery's life. So let's start. Welcome, Emery. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Man, we're we're so excited to to start this with you. You've got such an incredible story and and we're so happy that your parents are with us today. Um so let's let's start out. Emery, what tell us a little bit about yourself. What what why would we want you to come on this broadcast our our first broadcast uh, with idahosports.com?
0: Um I think my story is kind of different, unique cuz I came from a different country. And I didn't start. where did you come from. I came from Tanzania.
1: Tanzania, okay. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, what what how long did you live there and, and when did you come over here?
0: I lived there for about five years before we moved. So
1: five years. That's fantastic. And and what was that like for you? And do you remember what are some of the things that you remember the most about Tanzania?
0: I really don't remember much, like because I'm like, still so young. You were
1: five. I mean, really.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> uh, all I remember is just moving here and there's like a whole new different thing. It's trying getting used to it.
1: Okay. And, and what, what do you think you had to get used to? Well, as a five-year-old, you, was it uh, the playground? Was it a different type of soccer ball or football? You know, what were some of the things that you had to get used to do, that you can remember?
0: Well, like my first thing was just trying to get comfortable with everybody around me and like trying to learn the language a little bit okay yeah
1: nice what what is uh what do you think the main differences that you remember from coming here and what it was like back in Africa
2: um, what, what do you think snow
0: snow yeah snow probably snow a <laughs> big point yeah yeah we got here around the time
1: so you came when you were five is that right you were you were five and then did anybody else come with you at that time was it you and your parents and who, anybody else yeah me my parents
0: my brother and my sister
1: your brother and your sister and how old were they when they came over
0: um my sister was how three, two years old two years old okay um, eight. It was eight. yeah
1: eight years eight, old eight years old. Oh, that's fantastic. so they they probably don't remember much either
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably not much
1: at all. that's that's great. So so let's let's talk to your parents. Now now Emery introduce us to your parents what what are their names and 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 especially how would I say it uh, because I'll, I'll butcher it for sure.
0: So my mom's name is Shaka Duwami Aline.
1: okay. I will not try to attempt that one, but it's a beautiful name.
0: All right. And then my dad's name is Charles Sindahibura.
1: Charles Sindahibura. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now tell me a little bit about your names. Uh, so, so how do you want to be talked? Do we want to go with Charles? And, 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 and how do we want to, how do we want to do that?
0: Scope with Charles and Eileen, I think. That'd be
1: Charles and Eileen. Okay. So Charles and Eileen, let's let's talk to you a little bit. Uh, I, I'm excited to hear you obviously remember a lot about Africa and, and, and where you live. So we, we do have a map. Tell us a little bit about where you came from in Tanzania. Uh, what part of the country?
2: Uh, we came from Tanzania. Uh, Tanzania uh, is one of the East. Africa kind of country. Okay. Okay. It's an English-speaking country. Okay. We were in Tanzania-Kigoma region in the refugee camp named Muyovozi.
1: And and what was life like for you growing up, for you and your wife growing up in in that part of the world?
2: Oh... it was, I would say, was very challenging because we lived in there as refugees. and most of the time we were required to stay in the camp.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. And was that was that when you were a little boy up to up to now, or was that only when you and your wife were married?
2: Oh, just when we were married because
1: I see. okay. So you're in a refugee camp as as married. And that's when you came over. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So as a little boy, what what is life like there? Uh, were you playing soccer? I know soccer is big in in uh, in Africa. Were you playing soccer? Is this where Emery gets his love of sports?
2: Exactly. I played soccer when I was, when I was um, like just... Eight to ten years old, I enjoyed playing soccer a lot.
1: Okay, you played nice. soccer a lot then. Yeah. Nice. And 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 what about your wife? Where did where, did she grow up near you? Uh,
2: she's here. I think. Okay.
1: Eileen, did you grow up near near your husband, or were you a long ways away?
3: We were same camp in Tanzania.
1: Where were you born?
3: We born our original country is Burundi.
1: In Burundi, okay.
3: We came, we came here from Tanzania as a refugee.
1: As a refugee, okay. And and Charles, is it? When you were growing up, what were some of the things that you would do on a day-to-day basis?
2: Oh, uh, I was, most of the time I was going to school.
1: Okay. So a lot of school, a lot of friends, a lot of playing. Yes. Okay. So very similar to maybe what Emery's going through as far as uh, social life. Uh, maybe a little, uh, obviously a little different because it's in the States, but very similar to playing with friends and playing uh, soccer or sports after school, those type of things. Right. Okay. That's pretty, pretty, pretty fun. So tell me when you got to the refugee camp, how long were you in that refugee camp?
2: I got in Tanzania, we were refugee camp in Kigoma, district in 1996 till 2008 it's about 12 years
1: so you were in that camp for 12 years right and what was camp like were you were you able to work uh, did you were you able to make a living what what was that like
2: so actually in the refugee camp, We had no jobs, but we did organize ourselves and created schools, education, and we teach our children. And we were able to teach our children in the refugee camp.
1: That's amazing. So there's really no structure in these camps but you organized with other parents and other families to start uh, a, a, camp or a school up or, or to teach these, uh, these families. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. That, that's really special and very different than anything that, that us in America go through. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like, but the fact that you were resourceful enough to be able to do that and put that together. Now, I think we have a picture of your family, uh, and is this in the refugee camp? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay, okay. So so tell me, in this picture, where are you, Emery?
0: Um, I'm like, you know that little kid in the pinstripe shirt? I'm right behind him.
1: Right behind him, okay. So you've got your dad's yeah. shirt on it looks like. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now, Charles, can you tell me who else who these others are in in this picture? Is this family? Is this friends? Neighbors?
2: No, those are my brothers and their wives
1: and Brothers and their wives. And are any of them here in the states?
2: No. No, they didn't get the opportunity to come over.
1: And where are they? Are they still in a refugee camp or are they back in Tanzania still?
2: They were finally required to go back to in
1: Burundi. Okay. And they still there at this time?
2: they stayed still there.
1: Okay. So tell me, what was it like for you and uh, Alina to come to the States? I mean, was it, Quite a culture shock. And did all of your family come at once? Were you able to all come at the same time?
2: Um, My wife and the children came at the same time. But uh, I think through our immigration interview, process we are able to make it to come together
1: that's that's really special because that's not normal correct
2: yes that's correct
1: that's really special that you are able to all come at the same time uh, we've we've heard horror stories of uh, people coming over without their families and having to stay here for five even ten years before their families can come and I mean can you imagine uh, what that what that might look like, uh, you know. Let's say you you brought just one person over, and maybe just Emery came, and and you guys had to stay behind. I mean, that would be that would be a, a fully different life, correct?
2: That's yes. correct.
1: Hmm. Very very interesting. And how long did it take you to get used to being in Twin Falls, Idaho?
2: I think. We were able to adjust very fast because we came in winter time. It was kind of
1: challenging. Because <laughs> so you went from what ninety degrees to uh, twenty degrees. That, was
2: that- <laughs> and it was not used to.
1: Yeah.
2: So Africa is kind of hot and was very was very sudden cho- sh- shock. Yeah climate change, but we were able to adjust slowly (laughs) in about six
1: months, I think. Mm -hmm. Six months. Yeah. And and did you have a job when you came over, or did you have to really search for one out?
2: When I came over, I didn't get a a job, but the CSI Refugee Center helped us. Uh, I went through... A, staff, a staffing agency okay staffing and, agency yes and I worked uh, I remember starting in in we came in January
1: 2008 Ooh, the worst the worst time of the month to come to Idaho yes.
2: <laughs> and wow. I, I started working as a temporary employee in March
1: okay so so fairly quickly and what year was that?
2: That was two thousand eight two thousand
1: eight okay and and Charles, what do you do now?
2: well so now uh I'm going to school and I'm working night night time to to be able to take care of myself and my family night time yeah.
1: now now, from what I understand, you're going to school for a doctorate degree is that correct? That's correct. That that blows my mind. That's amazing. I, I, that is just so exciting that that you're doing that. And what's your doctorate going to be in?
2: Uh, Doctor of Education in Organization Leadership, with emphasis in Healthcare Administration.
1: Say that. Say that one more time. Do- a little louder.
2: Doctor of Education in organizational leadership. We emphasis in the healthcare administration.
1: So working in a hospital. Right. Wow, that, that is amazing. Now, if I remember correctly, Emery told me that you also speak a number of different languages. How many languages do you speak fluently?
2: I speak five, French.
1: Five languages. Yes. Which ones?
2: French, Swahili, Kirundi, Kinyarwanda,
1: and English. That's amazing. Uh, Amazing. And, and which one are you most fluent in?
2: Oh, I would say all of them because I'm using
1: them. (laughs) (laughs) You use the French one then quite often.
2: Yeah, I went to school uh, in the system. We must, we have to speak French and If we teach, we teach. We we have to teach in French.
1: Okay. Okay. And Eileen, what about you? Do you speak six languages just to beat your husband? No. (laughs) I mean, you guys are a competitive family, I assume, with with Emery being in sports. But do you speak? How many languages do you speak?
3: I speak Kirundi, Swahili, and
1: English. Wow. Uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's really fantastic. Now, around the house, when Emery gets in trouble, what <laughs> language do you go to?
3: My language. Sure both English and my language.
1: <laughs> <laughs> English and your language. Whatever he can understand at, the, at that moment.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Tone of voice goes a long ways too. Can we count that as a separate language as well? <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Now, uh, Eileen what what is it that you do? You you work as well, correct?
3: Yes, I work.
1: And where do you work?
3: Chobani.
1: Chobani, okay. That's and and, and how long have you worked for Chobani?
3: 7 years.
1: 7 years. You guys are hard workers, that's amazing. You've got a husband that's getting a doctorate. I can't even imagine going back to school for a doctorate, but you're, you're also raising how many children? Six. Wow, six children. <laughs> I got five and I can't keep up. Six would just uh, bowl me over, that's amazing. So you got yeah. six children, and what are their ages? 21, 18,
3: 15. Ten,
1: six, four. Wow. I, I, that's very impressive. And do you keep up with them all or do they just exhaust you at the end of the day?
3: <laughs> you know you have fun.
1: <laughs> They're exhausting. That's that's for sure. Oh, that's amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit about Emery and, and some of the things that he's accomplished. Um, what do you think sets Emery apart uh, in his school or in his life that has got him to the point of where he is today. And and that could be for Charles or Eileen. What what do you guys think?
2: I think Emery, first, he's a talented child because when he came in, he learned very fast English. And he was able to do a good job at elementary school.
1: Hmm.
2: And now he's, I, I think he's doing good at high
1: school. He's doing fantastic. I mean, he's, he's like you. I mean, overachieving in, in everything that he does. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch uh, for sure. What have you has parents enjoyed the most about watching Emery grow?
3: He's a good kid, first of all.
1: So he respects his parents, his elders.
3: He listen, yeah. Good. And he, could, he has good grades.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's important, yes.
3: He to stay out in trouble.
1: We like to hear that, that's, that's good like, too, yeah. What about you, Charles? I know a father-son relationship is always uh, a <laughs> little bit crazy at times. What what have you enjoyed uh, about Emory as he's grown up in your family?
2: I really appreciate him. He's a good good reason. Yeah, and he do, he's doing his best to stay away from troubles.
1: And that's important to you? Yes. Yes. Why, why is that so important to you? And I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it, is it because of the sacrifices that you've made as parents?
2: Sure. And that's the key, I think, to any success. I agree. And it would help him to proceed and become whoever he is planning to become.
1: What would you say your main goal is for Emery as he goes in and grows into adulthood?
2: Uh, My main goal is for Emily to become a successful children, go to school, finish his higher education and get a good job and he might be able to support his family and his relatives.
1: That's fantastic. And is that is that a part of the culture that you came from, the hard work? the schooling uh to be something more is that part of of where you came from originally sure Uh, i have
2: siblings they went to school and they were very successful with their school and less of civil war that stopped them to continue with their education
1: and, and we don't luckily don't have that here uh, that that's that's really great well anything else anything else that you'd like to share about emory uh eileen or, or charles anything else that you'd like to share that that we just need to know about emory
2: oh uh, emily likes as uh, guys and i think it's a good idea, and this a, it should be a good way to proceed with his education and stay out of troubles
1: that That's great. Eileen, any, anything that you'd like to say?
3: I think Charles already said most of it all.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. You guys are great. What a what a fun family. And, and you guys clearly love Emery, want the best for him. And you know the, the fun thing about seeing these type of things is Emery truly is a byproduct of his environment and and what you have created, coming from what you came from, and being able to see him grow and and thrive in this environment has got to be uh, a very proud moment for both of you yes that's exciting right. all right emory let's talk a little bit more about you you're probably wondering i thought this was about me right yeah. <laughs> i mean you are a teenager it is about you i've, I've got teenagers so i get it
4: so tell me emory
1: you you came over at five Were did you cat get onto sports hey look at that that's awesome <laughs> look at that face Oh, how do you not love that guy? Wow. <laughs> so tell me, Emery, did you get right into sports? Was that something that you were were just drawn to almost immediately when you, when you got over here?
0: I feel like when I got into middle school, that's when I started, like, I saw a bunch of people playing sports, and I was like, that looks fun. I want to try that out. And then I met one of my best friends, Brody. Uh, Brody? So- okay. Wilson, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I met him at Robert Stewart and then he told me to come try out football because I was running around with him and playing with him. So I went and tried that out and I just started enjoying it. And
1: what, what age were you then when you started playing football? I
0: was about, so seventh grade, I'd probably be what, 12? Okay. 12, yeah.
1: Now, Eileen and Charles, not to go back too far, but when he started playing football, was that a concern? Was that an excitement? Did you think that it would lead to what, what he's able to do now? I,
2: <laughs> I honestly say it was a good idea for me because most of the time I enjoy playing with them around the house, exercising, so make me happy.
1: <laughs> Got him out of the house. Then I like that. I like that. Do you feel that you had to sacrifice a lot of your time so that Emory could be as successful in his sports as he's been?
2: Sure, because he he's spending a lot of time with his, uh, his practices. So, and he might be helping his family with different stuff.
1: And was was that difficult if if there wasn't going to be a payoff to it, such as a scholarship or going to school? Was it difficult when you know he's in let's say middle school and he's spending a lot of time doing these sports? Was that difficult to continue to support, or was it just natural?
2: Uh, you know, we we working. We have six children, <laughs> so and we're paying you know what we need to pay utilities how the rent and stuff it's kind of challenging
1: i can imagine and and i and i think that's a big piece and, and something here at idahosports.com that we really want to you know start looking at later on is is how much parents really do sacrifice to get their kids to where they they are to be successful uh, and, and because no matter how much drive and talent these these high school students have, if the parents aren't behind them, it's really difficult for them to be successful. And so, it, when we see uh, parents such as Charles and Eileen, it really becomes a big uh, a big story to us because we know that that success is very important uh, to them and to the the student the student athlete as well. So we really appreciate that. So when you were playing football, did you, when did you recognize that this could be something, Emery, when when did you recognize this could be something uh, that I want to do for quite a long time and and even possibly play college doing it?
0: Um, I'd say after the first season, like in seventh grade, like after we were done, I just like, I enjoyed it so much. I just wanted to keep on doing it and hanging around with my friends. It was great bonds. Keep on going.
1: Did it become a passion or did it become a social outlet? Or maybe a little bit of both?
0: It was a little bit of both for me.
1: Yeah. And when did it become when did you have to kind of choose absolutely this is the place I want to go? Or meaning when did you have to say, okay, I'm going to do this? And and really put a lot of thought and energy more than maybe you wanted to. Uh when did that happen?
0: I'd say probably eighth grade year. I was like, I wanted to become, cause like when I first started playing, I wasn't the best. I wasn't like talented as all the other kids that were out there. So I was like, I want to be better than the kid next to me. So I just kept working and working. Until now. That's fantastic.
1: So once you hit high school, did you, were you playing all three? Cause right now you're doing track, uh, Playing football and basketball. Were you playing all three sports when you first hit high school? Then, yeah. Okay. And and let's talk about your football career. What uh, what did you what what position have you played or do you play right now?
0: I played receiver and defensive back. And defensive
1: back. Okay. And which one do you like the best?
0: I like defense because I like tackling people and hitting people. But- <laughs> I was better receiver, so.
1: I like it. I like it. And and did you play varsity all four years?
0: I played varsity my last two years, but sophomore year I played in the varsity playoff game because one of the starters got hurt. Okay. So my first experience of varsity was my sophomore year.
1: Sophomore year, that's fantastic. That, that's really great. And and then as we as we switch into basketball, how long have you played basketball?
0: I also started playing basketball in seventh grade too.
1: seventh grade as well. Okay. So seventh grade was really the kind of the pinnacle of, of everything that you're doing all, right now. All three, all three sports is seventh grade. Okay. And tell me a little bit about basketball. I, I know before you've told me that that basketball is, is one of your favorites, if not your favorite sport, what, what kind of drew you to basketball?
0: So going back on his Brody, so he played basketball as well. So, he, I just wanted to play whatever he played cause he became my best friend so quick, you know, I love it. Yeah. yeah and then <laughs> basketball though, I wasn't the best at it when I first started. Cause I've never picked up a basketball before. So I just went and tried out and they liked me cause I was fast and I could play defense. <laughs> nice. And then, so Went up from there.
1: And, and what position do you play in basketball?
0: I play the point guard or the shooting guard.
1: Point guard, shooting guard. Okay. And then once you hit high school, how many years did you play varsity?
0: I played two years of
1: varsity. Two years varsity. Okay. Now we've we've got a coach that that you have have really taken on as a mentor, and his name is James Glenn, Coach Glenn. There he is, Coach. Good to see you. I'm glad that you could make it. Yes. Emery, he he mentioned and, and really wanted you to be on this uh, because of the influence that you've had on his life. Let's let's talk about you a little bit, Coach Glenn. Um, where are you Where are you from? Are you from the Twin Falls area originally? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Uh, I'm, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. Yeah. That's <laughs>
1: almost as far as Tanzania. I mean, that's almost
4: <laughs> as far. <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. It does.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me what what brought you – I mean, how – you grew up in North Carolina, is that right?
4: Yes, yes. Okay. grew up in North Carolina uh, most of my life. I uh, met my wife in North Carolina. She's actually from Idaho, so. And what uh, what was
1: she doing in North Carolina? What's an Idaho girl doing in North Carolina? She
4: was a traveling nurse, oh, Okay. and I had just gotten out of the military. I was a medic in the military, and uh, I was working at the hospital, so we met at the hospital. And then, you know, started dating and got married shortly thereafter. And then, you know, that's the, you know, now we've been married, what, 31 years now? So yeah.
1: 31 years. Yeah. So how does a medic in North Carolina make it all the way back to Idaho? Other than I can kind of guess the, the, the girl probably wanted to come back uh, to her hometown. Am I guessing correctly?
4: Yes, you are guessing correctly. I <laughs> it was an unfortunate, uh, being her mother got diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and she wanted to be closer to her mom. And, uh, it was a term, it was terminal cancer. And, uh, we decided to move here to, uh, the plan was to move here for a short while and go back to North Carolina, but we came here to take care of our mom until she passed. And then I told her, I said, like, you know, let's just make a, make a go of it. Let's just stay here. I didn't want to move twice. So I decided to stay here yeah.
1: now. Now you've said to me before, you, you actually live on a farm. Uh,
4: Yeah. When we first moved here, her, her mother owned, I think it was 340 acres of land.
1: Oh, that's it. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah, It was a lot of work. So we we stayed there. And then I got, you know, and then we, we left, we sold that. And then now I'm on a, like a little five acre farm kind of with animals and stuff like that as well. So it's still hard work, but you know, and I'm a city boy doing farm hand work, so it's not fun.
1: Because <laughs> you in in Carolina, you didn't you didn't grow up on any land, is that right?
4: No, no, I did not. I was, you know, just just a city boy. I didn't, you know, come you, when you come out here, and you can see over the next horizon. I, I had to get used to all of that. I, <laughs> you know, it's and you know, I got lost actually because every every corner looks the same, you know. So it was tough for me to acclimate moving here.
1: What what would you say? In your, for you growing up, where you grew up, what what would you say is the main difference to what, let's say, where Emory grew up, or or, and and that differences, and what's that made you like today?
4: Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, uh, again, just like Emory's, Emory's parents and Emory themselves, you have to acclimate to, to your environment, and it was you know it was very difficult different difficult moving from city where i was from to agricultural and farmland here so it was had to you know get some getting used to the traffic with the heavy equipment and stuff like that the smells <laughs> <laughs> the <I> dairies mean, <laughs> yeah yes you know you know that's kind of the stuff you don't experience back in the city whereas the city it was noisy loud Sirens all the time. It was, you know, now it's peaceful here. It's very peaceful. Yeah.
1: What, what? You you played ball for quite a number of years. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you play as a child?
4: Uh, yes, I was. I was introduced to sports at a very young age. My parents, like you know, like Emory's parents, uh, worked all the time. So, uh, you know, in our community, it was. Uh, it was coaches and stuff that, you know, that I spent more of my time with, you know, whether it was football, basketball, baseball.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So I got into those type of uh, uh, activities and was mentored by so many uh, different people that other than my parents. So they kind of that's kind of what molded me.
1: And and what was that like? I mean, obviously you came from a, what city did you grow up in?
4: Uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
1: Winston-Salem, so fairly large. Mm-hmm. And, and what was that like for you? Was, was having a mentor important to you? Was playing sports important to you to stay out of, as, as we talked with Charles, staying out of trouble?
4: Yes, it was essential, uh, you know, because, you know, you have to, if, if you don't get into sports or you don't have mentors, then you have idle time on your hands and then you start hanging out with the wrong groups and the wrong people, who have you know different you know motives and staying in trouble and you know sports was a way for me to get out of that you know but even even though with sports you still have to listen to that that feeling in your gut in your stomach when you're about to get into something that you know may affect you for the rest of your life and you got to listen to that and make the right decisions.
1: So tell me, as you, how long have you moved over here? I've lived
4: here in uh, in Idaho now. This would be my my ninth year. Ninth
1: year. So you moved yeah. over here about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how long have you been coaching sports? Uh, or basketball
4: in particular? Basketball in particular, uh, as long as my wife and I have been married. This is my thirty first year. Thirty. 1st year. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and we talked about this earlier in a, in a call uh, together where you talked about the differences in, ki- I, I shouldn't say kids, but athletes here, uh, comparative to the East coast and, and really the differences in coaching. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
4: Yeah, I, you know my my key is Emery's part of that group too. They they ask me all the time how would our basketball team fare against a basketball team in North Carolina and it would be it would be no contest. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell
1: um, me so to, so enlighten us on why an East Coast team is so much better than than what we have here because I can look at Emery and he's probably going there's no way anybody's going to beat me.
4: Yeah. yeah what, I, I what would be the difference? well the the difference is and, and and it took me a while to realize this, but the difference is is the amount of people, the population. Uh, it's the population, the culture of, of of sports here is different than back back east and you know it creates a very different atmosphere whereas you know North Carolina, I could easily have you know three maybe four division one basketball players on a team. Whereas you know here in Idaho, you don't see that many Division One basketball players here. There's so much more parity here in uh, in Idaho, and it's actually tougher to coach here in Idaho than it is in North Carolina. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's breaking news. We might have to break and uh, go to the news channel. Uh, why? Tell me why would you say that it's harder to coach a team that's got more parity than say someone with a lot of personalities? that are all vying for maybe two or three spots on a D1 college team.
4: Yeah. The difference is I could spread the floor and I've had, you know, so many different players. I had kids that were six, seven, six, ten. you know, you could spread the floor and those kids could, you know, nobody could stop them, you know? So I said, Hey, let's just go to him every time and see what happens and nobody could stop them. Whereas here, there's so much more parity. Everybody's on or about the same skill level. You may have one or two you know, different athletes that may be a, a cut above, but for the most part, you have to develop some schemes and picks and rolls and stuff like that to get the kind of, to generate the kind of offense you need to, to uh, produce scoring. So, you know, it's a little bit more difficult here. You have to a little bit more focused and dialed in here as a coach. I like that. I mean, I so like you should too.
1: be ready for D1 coaching once you leave Twin Falls. Is that what you're saying?
4: <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I'm not going to climb that tree. No, I'm
1: not. <laughs> oh. Well, tell me a little bit about your experience with Emery So he he talked about earlier that he played uh, – he didn't get on to varsity until his junior year um, and played junior and senior year. What was – your experience with Emery and 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 maybe what was it like to coach someone like him that with the background that he's come from
4: well you know the the intriguing part about emory is gosh he's like a sponge he's he, he's still learning you know so when he came to you know to twin when i watched him at twin when he first came there he was like i said he's a sponge so he's soaking up as much as he can to, to to get to that level where he wanted to be so he was continuously learning and that's a skill that most coaches would you know just just die for a kid that just wants to to learn and get better and you know like i said you know emory is a, is an exception to the rule only because of his athleticism and his strength hmm. um what i mean by that is his athleticism and his strength, uh, superseded his ability to think and, and move around on a basketball field. So his body was ready, his mind wasn't ready. But you know, so my job, or our job was to get those, those two things to work together. And once he started, gosh, getting it, I mean, you know, I told him there was, there's gonna be a point where the game was gonna actually slow down for you. That you're gonna see things develop before you can get to that point. And you know, and gosh, he, he started doing that and started being productive. I like, I'm like. i a defensive coach, so I like Emory's defense more than
1: anything. <laughs> Emory, do you remember a game or a time that that happened where the game seemed to be in slow motion or the court seemed to be about five feet long and, and you could do pretty much whatever you wanted?
0: I'd say our playing games like the state tournament to see if we were done or not, I feel like that was, that was probably the game that I felt
1: like that. And it has that happened on the football uh, field. Has that something that you uh, noticed there as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like, let's see. There's a few like close games that we had that I just felt like I could take over and like, just give me the ball. I want the ball. Like our, my junior year last year, there was a game up in Pocatello. Like well, the last drive, I just got the ball like six times in a row. And I just like, keep feeding me, keep getting me the ball. And I,
1: that's got to be a, a, a an awesome experience, right? Because no one's stopping you. You're busting through everything. You're you're making every shot you you take. That's got to be fun, Coach. What what stops these kids from getting to that point? Do you believe?
4: Uh, it's, it's, there's so many distractions. There's there's so you know there's so much other things going on in the world. I mean, I have a son too. He's He's much older than Emory. He's 28, but I tell him all the time. I said, you know what? You have to, you have to stay focused on on, the, on your goals. Make small goals and try to reach those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I I love the way this world has developed. It's just that there are so many different things that can get you off track, and you and you could spiral down into to a, a bad hole somewhere, and you can never recover. You know, so that you know having that fear of, of failure, what I've been trying to put into my son and, and Emery and all the kids that I coach. that you gotta stay on a straight and narrow. You're gonna be tested. You're gonna be tested, but you gotta you gotta make really good decisions in life. And then you know, and then once you make you start making those decisions, you start seeing the goals becoming obtainable. And uh, you know, you're like you're on that right path and you know you're gonna succeed. And then you also have to be available for them i tell every one of my kids and emory knows this too that you know i'm here for them i mean i don't you know even though you've done with high school and you're moving on if you need to call me and talk to me about something or get some advice i'm here for you because you know it takes uh you know i hate to say this but it takes a village you know it's not you know and my you know my parents have you know I didn't have a clue about all the coaching and the mentors that were in my life that helped me to be the person that I am today.
1: Emery, you better keep him on speed dial, <laughs> sure. Uh, that's that's amazing. Emery, what, if any, has there been a time that you've become distracted? Do you do you have any time that you've, you know, maybe succumbed to some of those distractions in life? And and how did you get out of that and and, and get back? to where you were focused in on where you needed to be?
0: Yeah, there was a time last year where I got into a situation that I shouldn't have. But then uh, my parents and Coach Glenn and other people helped me out of it and just got me right back on the right track and got me back to to where I am right now.
1: Was it when you realized what you could be losing or missing out on how important was that to get back on track? It was really important to me. Yeah. Coach, when you, when you see kids kind of start going down that road, what, what are some of the things that you find are effective in, in pulling them back out and, and helping them to kind of see, because a lot of times teenagers in general, you know, they, they want to do what's in front of them, right? They want to have fun. They, 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 that they're, they're just teenagers. I mean, we all were teenagers once, we all did stupid stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and how, what have you found that's been most effective in kind of pulling them back and, and helping them to understand these actions or these that have repercussions for a long, long time?
4: Well, you know, sometimes you have to do something drastic. You have to do something that impacts them, you mm-hmm. know, you know, um, for, I can tell you for me, I was headed down that road you know, doing the wrong things. And the thing that turned me around was I joined the military. And when I got in the military, it was, there was there was no one there to help me. It was, you, you wash and dry your own clothes, you, you, you earn your money, you buy your own food, you do all those things. It, it taught me how to grow up quick, fast, in a hurry. I mean, there were days when I would get my money and I was still a little kid and I would go out and blow all my money and I'd, I'd go two days without food. Because I didn't have the money to pay for the food, and, you know, and then I started. Get, I said, "Hey, wait a minute! I better start stopping all this party and stuff, and I better start saving some money." And you know, so it makes you grow up that way. And then with with Emory, like I said, Emory's a sponge; he wants to learn. And you know, like I said, he get you know we gonna all get in trouble. I've gotten in trouble. Everybody gets in trouble. It's just that you gotta have those people in your life, like like his parents and uh, and myself, who. I, I brought Ember here to the house. I just called him. I said, Look, my house, five o'clock, be there. Don't give him the opportunity to say, Hey, coach, I got this going on or that going on. You be at my house at five o'clock. And you let him know the seriousness, seriousness of his nature and what he's doing and the path he's going down and how it can, you know, just, dest- you know, one wrong move can destroy everything for him. And, uh, um, I told Emery, I got a, I got a kid that I coached probably 12, 13 years ago that went down the wrong path, and and is currently still in prison uh, because he chose to do the wrong thing. And you know, and then I, I showed Emery that relationship. I still write this kid to this day, but you know, just to know that he made a wrong decision, went down the wrong path, and, and he, he doesn't have the opportunity that Emory has to correct himself and, and keep going on the straight now. You know, he let, uh, he made a, a really poor decision and the government made a decision for him. So, you know, so I
1: just,
4: yeah. I brought, essentially I just brought Emery here to the house and put the fear of God in him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Emory, and I, Emory, did it work?
0: Yeah, it worked. <laughs>
1: Well I think I think the key here really is isn't about what you did, but more about what you showed Emery and and these boys and, and the other kids that you're around uh, and that love and that care that you showed them and And I think that that more than than the fear really resonates because they need someone to know that they can that they're seen. Emory, when you you feel that, when you feel coach coming at you and saying, I care, I want you to be better than what you are, when you feel your parents pulling at you saying, I need you to be like this, what's that like for you? And, And what's that like for them to believe in you so much and to believe in your potential so much that they're willing to, for instance, your dad works nights your mom works weekends. What's that like for you as an individual? Not just as an athlete or as a, a high school student, but just as a human being.
0: It just makes me like, it pushes me to become a better person. Just like stay like good, stay out of trouble and just like make
1: them proud, you know? That's that's neat to hear because I, I think that, Coach, when you talk about these kids, it probably means – a lot to you. I mean, they probably mean as much as, or, or close to your own children or family. And, and it's not something that you forget. It's not something that you're going to just give away. Uh, and, And for you to give that care and that love to them, I, that has to mean something to them as well.
4: Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing for me, I, you know, I used to coach just for the coaching of it, didn't realize I was going to be that type of person that was going to be mentors for, for for young men. But I still get texts from kids that I've coached 15, 20 years ago, to still check in with me and, and still say that, you know, I turned their lives around or I put them on the straight and narrow. And, you know, and these kids, they need to have someone you know, I hate to say this, but I need to have someone other than their parents that show love and appreciation for them. Uh, Emery, Emery will tell you this. I've, I, you know, I, I get them in a circle in in, in practice, and I tell each and I tell them all as a group. I say, look, I love each and every one of you guys. I treat you each and every one of you guys just like my son. So if you call me, you think you're getting in trouble in the middle of the night, just pick up the phone and call me, and I'll be there. And 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 I, and I hold myself to that. I don't care what time it is in the morning when they call me. If they need some help, I will be there for
1: them. And, and I can't even mention how many or even imagine how many kids need that. Just yeah. that. Just to know that someone else has their back.
0: Yeah.
1: How much confidence, Emery, does that give you in your future and, and going forward that, that you've got a coach that will do anything for you?
0: it gives me a lot of confidence because yeah, I know there's, there's people supporting me no matter what. So it just helps me, you know,
1: That's amazing. Well, coach, we really appreciate you being here. You, you're a special part of this young man's life and, and, and hearing your story and hearing what you've done for him. Uh, really exciting. Any, any last words that you'd like to, to give to, to Emory?
4: Yeah. I, you know, First of all, I can I can't imagine the hurdles that Emory's parents both had to go through to get out of a refugee camp and come to America and, and, and be successful like they are. You know, they need to be commended for that, you know, that struggle that they endured and was able to get over here and and, and, and make a life for their children. I mean, I think that is that is phenomenal. Uh, they should be applauded for that. Uh, and I think they're, you know, they're doing all the right things. You know, I, I enjoyed listening to their story because uh, I, ha- I had no idea until today that they were in a <laughs> refugee camp. I had no idea. And then to hear their story and see what they had to go through and the struggle with still their families are still over there and they need to get it, them out as well. You know, it makes my hurdles or things that I'm going through seem minuscule at best uh, because I, can, I can't imagine going through what they did to get Emory over here and uh, to get him re- prepared for college and and have him on that path to success is phenomenal.
1: thanks, coach. I really appreciate having you here and 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 before you go, you know i, I I'd like to ask Emory's parents, was it harder to be in the camp or was it harder to raise six kids? which one is which one's worse?
2: I say uh, very hard to be in the refugee camp <laughs> I think parents had to raise kids.
1: Maybe a little bit like this. <laughs> well, again, Coach, we really appreciate you being here. Um, you, you're a big part of his life. And, and so thank you. Thank you so much for being here.
4: Thank you guys for having me. You guys have a good night.
1: All right. Thank you, Emery. Let's move on. Last sport track. Tell us a little bit about that. When did you start track? Was it seventh grade again?
0: Yeah. Seventh grade as well.
1: Okay. Tell me a little bit about what, what did you run in track? Did you, what did you start out with?
0: In track in seventh grade, I started out with the 200 and then I started getting to the jumping cause I like that. And I like doing the jumping more than the running cause I didn't like running without like a, like without a purpose, you know, like without a ball. Well, basketball, I have a purpose. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I just like kind of stuck to jumping most mostly and that was about it.
1: And did you, did you do varsity once you hit high school varsity all four years, two years, same thing? Uh, Three
0: years. Three years.
1: years. Okay. And, and you're now jumping. What, what events are you jumping in?
0: Long jump and triple jump.
1: And are you at state for both of those?
0: Uh, They had districts
1: today, but I had a thing taken out of my leg about a week ago. You're kidding! Tell me a little bit. What'd they take out? Anything (laughs) taken out of a leg can't be good. Usually, you want something put in or left there.
0: Yeah, I had a cyst. Oh. Yeah, and I had to get stitches, so I couldn't compete, tear them, or so.
1: Oh, and and the cyst couldn't wait one week. Mm -hmm. No, wow. Oh, so tell me in track did you, what did you, what was your personal best?
0: My best was a 1910. So I was close to breaking 20 feet. That was my sophomore year. And then I got a little bit bigger. to woke <laughs> up for football. So I lost it. Right. But...
1: right. Right. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, now we, we, we've kind of buried, buried this a little bit. Tell me what, what are you doing now and, and where have you signed to go to college?
0: Um Right now I'm getting ready and, in- working out to go play football at George Fox university up in Newberg, Oregon.
1: Okay. That's exciting. Mm. And and when do you, you have a signing day? Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I'm signing this Saturday, actually
1: this Saturday,
0: yep, this, this Saturday.
1: Saturday. Uh, that's yeah. fantastic. Where, and, and is that going to be broadcast?
0: Um, there'll be KMBT and magic Valley news there. I think
1: now, are you signing with anybody else on your football team? I'm actually signing with Brody Olson, my best friend, who
0: got me in. Brody. It.
1: Yeah. Why don't we have Brody on? He's a big part of your life. Yeah. Man. He's like your your brother. He's everywhere. Well, yeah. That's fantastic. And what's Brody? In what position does Brody play?
0: He's quarterback.
1: Quarterback. So, yeah. How fun. So so he's going to be potentially throwing to you.
0: Yeah. I like it. High school, we were rivals too, because he went to the opposite school, Cambridge. Oh, he did. I didn't
1: realize that's crazy. That is, that is a lot of fun. How, how great would that be? Now, are you going to room with him?
0: Yeah. We're going to be roommates,
1: roommates. And when do you head off to college?
0: We will leave August 8th,
1: August 8th. Now, one thing that I don't think many people know is your schedule. You told me this a couple of days ago and it blew my mind because as an adult, I don't even keep that kind of schedule with five kids. Tell yeah. me what your schedule is like. Just kind of lay it out for me.
0: Like throughout the week, Monday through Wednesday, I work out from 4.40 a.m. to 6 a.m.
1: That's a.m., people, a.m.,
0: yeah. 4.45 a.m. I come home, get showered, get ready for school, take my siblings to school. And then after school, I'd go to track practice. And then after track practice, come home, do homework, and then start it all over.
1: Ooh. And then and then, what are you doing on the
0: weekends? On the weekends, I'm working at Chabani over there with my mom. So
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Saturday and Sunday, is that correct? Yeah. Ah, that, that's remarkable. It, it really is remarkable because how many of your friends or athletes work? Not that many, not that many, right? Uh, And and why do you feel the need to work even beyond what you're doing?
0: Um, I don't know, just to like grow up a little bit, and just like my parents have pushed me to like keep working and working. You know, just push yourself. You know, so just like it's it's kind of natural just for me to do
1: it it's fascinating the work ethic that you have the fact that you want to do those things uh charles when when you put him to work on the weekends did he did he whine did he complain has is he that kind of kid
2: no he doesn't complain he I should like to because he's a delight know, we're setting in a good example we we're doing our best to see if we can be able to support our family, and so they are learning from us.
1: Charles, where did where did you get that from? It, was it from your parents? Did they teach you that kind of integrity?
2: I learned that from my f- parents and some of my good friends.
1: That's amazing. Uh, this, this story just gets better and better and better as as we talk. I I'm always fascinated and just pleasantly surprised at, at the work ethic that you have, what you've came from, what you've become. Uh, you're gonna be a doctor soon. How soon, Charles? Are you gonna be a doctor?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know yet. I, I'm working on four more courses and a dissertation.
1: More More Courses and a Dissertation. I mean, that, that sounds like a good book, <laughs> More yeah. Courses and a Dissertation. Well, I really appreciate this. You guys have been just fantastic. Emery, you've got a super bright future ahead of you. George Fox are lucky to have you. I, you're going to do well with this work ethic, with the head that you have on your shoulders. It's, it's just bright. It, it's, it's just downhill from here. And, and I'm so excited that, that we get to be a part of that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of our initial uh, presentation, initial interview. I, I've just loved every second. Any last words, Emery? Any last words that you'd like to leave with our audience?
0: Um, I'd also like to thank like another person before we get done with this. He's also Certainly. In my life. His name is Joseph Kirshner. He's Brody's grandpa, he's basically my grandpa, grandfather now, and just like, he's helped me throughout a lot. It's like just growing up and stuff like that. So I like to thank him as well, like their whole family.
1: Absolutely. Well, whatever Brody has done, we, we thank him. I mean, he's really seemed to have pushed you and you pushed him, you, you seem like a good pair, but wow, really a, a great time tonight. Thank you, everyone, for being here, for taking the time to to meet with us and and to get through my my questions. I I, I loved every second of it. Have a great evening, and Emory, do good, be good. We're excited for you. You've got a whole community behind you, and and we're we're really excited for you. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank,
3: thank you. you. Thanks for having night. us.
1: You have a good night. Bye
0: bye.
3: Bye bye.